Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, well, I picked a really terrible time to go on a road trip. And the NBA it lost its freaking mind. Somewhere in between all of the rumors that we have been hearing over the last 20, you know, 48, 72 hours, whatever, uh, the Lakers also lost to the New Orleans Pelicans. A really brutal loss considering that that would have tied them uh, in a loss column and would have moved them uh, into that play-in spot. Um, Also brutal because of the way that they lost and um, some of the mistakes that, as LeBron said, they they keep making over and over and over and over again. Um, So yeah, just a tough, tough way to, to, to spend the weekend there. And according to some, that wasn't the only loss that they took as Kyrie Irving would be making his way to Dallas uh, Sunday afternoon, not to L.A., and holy crap, there is a lot to unpack here. Buckle up. So let's start with the facts. Uh, Kyrie Irving, not a Laker, right? Kyrie uh, requested a trade, and then it was thought uh, right off the bat that uh, the Lakers would would hold pole position because they had previously. Um, now, some of that has to do with, with prior relations, and some of that has to do with prior negotiations, um, and, and obviously the, the LeBron-Kyrie angle of it. There's, there was all kinds of narrative-driven things that would lead one to believe that, okay, by, by the end of the weekend, Kyrie, if he got moved, would be wearing purple and gold. Um, obviously that is not how it played out. There was more, I think there was more competition for Kyrie than any of us really anticipated. And certainly I think than the Lakers anticipated, um, last time that they were in on Kyrie in this kind of a situation, uh, remember back when KD had made his trade request, uh, the thought back then was, oh, the Lakers were the only team in on him and would only be negotiating against themselves. And when a trade didn't happen, um, for the variety of reasons that it didn't, uh, you just kind of moved on and, and said, well, maybe they'll get another chance because Kyrie is Kyrie. And lo and behold, Kyrie remained Kyrie. This time, though, the Phoenix Suns, the uh, LA Clippers, obviously the Lakers, and eventually the Dallas Mavericks uh, were all in on Kyrie, offering various iterations of, I think, altogether respectable offers. Um, The Lakers was obviously more driven towards uh, draft compensation and uh, flexibility in the upcoming offseason by way of Russ's uh, expiring contract. And, uh, you know, the, the Nets, it would appear, were not interested in anything that would speed up a rebuild because why would you rebuild while you have Kevin Durant? Uh, The Phoenix Suns offered, reportedly they offered uh, Chris Paul and Jay Crowder in some kind of pick compensation too. And um, it's interesting that they are, this is now like a few times that Chris Paul's name has come up in trade stuff. That's worth monitoring too. But in this case, I find it interesting that Chris Paul, a player you could slide right back into that Kyrie spot and Jay Crowder, an upgrade on the wing, would be seen as less than Spencer Dinwiddie, 
um, he who is shooting better from three point range this year, but is kind of a clunky fit. Um, and and uh, Dorian Finney Smith, a good wing, a good three and D wing, but you know, I think it's kind of a wash between him and uh, Jay Crowder. So uh, the fact that the you know the fact that the Nets wouldn't take the the Lakers offer all that seriously, given their priorities. Um, and that's before you get to the Joe Sy stuff, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, not not really surprising. The fact that they would opt for Dallas's trade package or trade offer over Phoenix's, that does strike me a little interesting. The Clippers apparently got involved, but I didn't, you know, they didn't offer anybody that I thought like blew me away. So not exactly shocked that that the Clippers didn't figure seriously into this thing um, at the end of the day. I will say, though, and this is about Josiah, um, Josiah, as as Mark Stein is saying, um, that now signs reporting is uh, a little iffy on this one, uh, the, the phrasing of it, that is. Uh, I, I believe Stein's actual reporting, but the phrasing of it where the presumed pressure from uh, Josiah was that Uh, he would not want to send Kyrie to the Lakers. And that kind of makes sense. Kyrie and he have been butting heads for a long-ass time now. And giving Kyrie anything close to what he wanted was probably not in the cards here, especially when you add to that the fact that the Lakers offer doesn't really accomplish the things that they were looking to accomplish with this trade, which is to stay competitive. Um, Now, look, they could have traded for Russ and the two picks and then flipped you know, the two picks for something else and, and, and done the thing that they wanted to do with this pick or with this trade. But clearly that wasn't something that they were interested in doing um, for apparently a few reasons. And and one of them, like Stein is saying, and uh, like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's pretty clear uh, that, that Cy did not want to send uh, Kyrie Irving to uh, a city that he wanted to go to. One of the weird things that was kind of uh, interesting over the course of the last 24 hours or so um, leading up to this trade were some of the whispers that Kyrie wasn't that thrilled about playing with Luka. Um, Now he did, you know, there is a report out there now that Kyrie is excited to go play with Luka. He was also thrilled to go play with in Boston and, and I'm sure was thrilled to play in Brooklyn, so I that I, that I would kind of take with a with a grain of salt, but with um, yeah, I I I do kind of feel like with at least the 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 um, Dallas and Phoenix offers being relatively close, I think Cy probably wanted to send him somewhere that he wanted to be less at right. I, that that seems to be Dallas. If if I just kind of combine all of the stuff that is actually out there in reporting. And some of the whispers that you hear kind of behind the scenes. So, look, at the end of the day, Cy gets to do business however he wants to do business. And choosing not to take the Lakers offer um, in any way just to be petty and vindictive, that's your call. You're the owner. That's what you can do. But not always the best way to do things. Neither, by the way, is if the if the Nets are responsible for leaking all of these offers, um, that is insanely stupid. <laughs> that is insanely short-sighted. Um, and a great way to make sure that nobody makes you any serious offers um, moving forward. Because like, if you're Phoenix, now Chris Paul is going to go to the front office and say, wait, what? Hold on, huh? Right? 
you know, um, and and look in the Lakers' case, Max Christie and and uh, Austin Reeves get to walk into a locker room that probably wanted Kyrie Irving there, and they're going to be seen as the reason Kyrie Irving isn't there, and that makes it super awkward too, right? And now it didn't necessarily have to be the Nets that leaked that stuff. It might have been, you know, the Lakers. It does benefit the Lakers to have it out there that hey, this is all that we offered. We offered both picks. They weren't interested. Sorry, LeBron. We are going to try to, you know, we're going to continue to keep working on this, um, and and maybe that is actually the case here. But uh, yeah, from from Brooklyn side of things, if you're leaking all these offers after the fact, after a deal gets made, good luck finding people to work with you moving forward. Um, there are now reports, like I said a second ago, about what the Lakers were asked to offer. Right, not what the Lakers put on the table, but what uh, Brooklyn was expecting. They wanted both picks. They want to pick swaps, and they wanted Reeves and Christie. Um, look, I was not in on Kyrie from the get-go, so it's not exactly going to shock anybody when I say that is way too much for my liking. I may have—you could have maybe talked me into Kyrie, um, and I would have begrudgingly, you know, okayed it, whatever, um, if it was one pick, maybe some second-rounders, in Russell Westbrook. In that case, I would have said, look, if you can get somebody that talented for that little, then you kind of sort of have to try. Um, but if it was everything that wasn't bolted down as the Nets were asking for, I'm, I, you know, it's not often you're going to hear me say this, but I think Rob and, and the Lakers were smart to say, no, there's that, that's line in the sand here is wherever. And uh, the Nets' request was exceeding that. So whether it was the pick swaps that they didn't want to do or whether it was Max Christie and Austin Reeves that they didn't want to do, clearly there was a line in the sand. The Lakers weren't willing to go past that. It's also consistent with how they've done business in the past where uh, Toronto was expecting everything not bolted down and the Lakers kind of drew their line at THT and would not step over that line to trade for Kyle Lowry. And that appears to be the case here again, where, you know, these young guys that are Palenka wins right now, Christie has looked good, Austin Reeves has, has far exceeded expectations. Uh, both of those guys are considered wins for Palenka, and for them to be lines in the sand doesn't necessarily strike me as, as surprising. And also, I think it's smart that the Lakers wouldn't cross that line in the sand. Reeves has helped this season. Like, he has been the Lakers, he's in the Lakers' top five best players right now. So, including him in a trade, um, you know, means that you really have to get great play from Kyrie, not just this season, but then moving forward. And, you know, the pick swaps, that does further hamper what you're able to do down the line. Um, both of the picks, right? If you trade both of those picks, obviously you can't trade them again. I think the Lakers were looking to trade one of these picks and then um, use another pick on someone else, uh, seeing as they were already all in. Uh, and now the question remains, or now the question becomes, I guess, how all in are they going to be in some future deals, um, which isn't, <laughs> it's, it's the zillion dollar question, right? Because uh, LeBron is obviously upset that he doesn't have Kyrie Irving there, uh, tweeting out, maybe it's me or whatever. Um, but I, you know, the Lakers need to do something, I would think. But I've also thought they've needed to do something for a calendar year. 
And last trade deadline, they decided not to do anything. This year, they have made the Rui Hachimura trade, um, but he is uh, um, a little underwhelming to this point, in my opinion. Um, now, some of that is out of his control. I think Darvin Ham is still still too reliant on these multi-tiny guard lineups, and that has affected Rui's role in all of this. Um, but even still, like Rui is is has not exactly blown the doors off the place either, in my opinion. Um, so they need to do more. They clearly need to do more. And whatever it is that they do, if they want to impact the trajectory of this season, it's going to cost one, maybe both of those picks. And, uh, you know, while we have gotten reports, multiple reports from obviously the top reporters in the game that the Lakers did in this in this case offer both of those picks at one point for Kyrie Irving, uh, we have seen a reluctance uh, to this point with other players. They haven't wanted to, uh, wanted to send an unprotected first to Detroit for Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, they clearly didn't want to, you know, trade both of those picks and Russ for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. So uh, they have been extremely reluctant to this point. In this case, they saw an opportunity where it they they said Kyrie was enough to trade both of those picks for. Um, now we just got to see if that math, if the if if their analysis on the situation changes at all. Now that you know LeBron felt like he was close to getting Kyrie, uh, he tweeted out the eyeball emojis, and then Phil Handy also tweeted out the eyeball emojis. He deleted his though because you got to be careful with that as a coach. Um, clearly, LeBron thought he was getting help, and then now doesn't have that help. And I would imagine, and he's bristled every step of this season when he's when he's been asked about personnel stuff. Um, he knows that the Lakers need more. The Lakers seem to know that they need more. It's just a matter of how willing they are to to move whatever it takes to get that more. Um, to this point, we have seen that they don't want to move those picks for anybody that is uh, less than they consider a star. And uh, that arithmetic hasn't seemed to change. And I, it, it kind of sort of has to, I think, at this point. I, I, they, they can't, Thursday's trade deadline cannot come and go without them doing something. Um, otherwise, I, I have no idea how the rest of the season is going to go. And I really have no idea how the rest of LeBron's tenure as a Laker is going to go. Um, so there's a lot on the line here over the next few days, and I'm sure we're going to be sitting here talking about all kinds of scenarios here as, you know, the Lakers have apparently shown interest in Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr. They have, uh, they actually had some discussions with the Utah Jazz before the Kyrie stuff happened. Um, we didn't get any details on where those negotiations were heading and they seemed pretty preliminary at the time. But I would imagine that those are going to strike back up. Um, and like I have said all along, with whatever the Lakers have done to this point, um, more often than not, it has come out of nowhere. So uh, if it, you know, if we're sitting here Thursday afternoon and the Lakers roster looks entirely different and we're talking about trades that nobody saw coming, that would be kind of consistent with how the Lakers have operated to this point. So um, that said... Every time I hear something, you guys can, can, you know, I guarantee that I'm going to have whatever information I have for you here 
over the next few days in these few lowdowns and, and until we finally reach that trade deadline and hopefully the Lakers have a better roster. One last quick thing here before we get out of here, and this is already a longer lowdown than usual, but um, I keep on hearing, and, and for some good reason, uh, stuff about the Lakers tax, the Lakers tax, that the, la- the teams around the league expect more from the Lakers than they would from, from other teams that they might deal with. And some of that is the relationships that Rob Polinka doesn't have that other executives have with each other. Um, I think that plays a role in this. Some of it obviously also is that the Lakers are a marquee franchise and nobody wants to be seen as the team that that, that did help the Lakers kind of get their feet back under them. Um, but I also think, you know, importantly here, the way that the Lakers have done business also hasn't, I think, done themselves any favors. Uh, we saw with Sacramento that they thought that a deal was kind of worked out and that Buddy Heald was going to be a Laker and that Contavious Caldwell-Pope, or, or no, was it? No, it was uh, Kuzma and, and Trez were going to be up in, in Sacramento, right? Um, and obviously, the way that worked out, Russ winds up being a Laker. And, and so far, most of the deals that the Lakers have done have actually been with Washington, right? Somebody who Rob has already said has a good relationship uh, with, with, with Tommy Shepard over there. So, um, you know, when we talk about the, the, the Laker tax here, I think some of that is some of the stuff that the Lakers can't control at this, at this stage of the game. But I also think, and this is going to be something that I would like to see happen in the off season. The Lakers are incredibly insular. Um, the people that they have relationships with, right. Are basically each other in the league and uh, I, I, you know, there is not many people willing to say very nice things about the way that Rob does his business uh, around the league, um, whether that was because of his time as an agent or now how he has operated as an executive. Um, he doesn't have many friends around the league. So one thing I would kind of like to see happen this this summer, if possible, is for the Lakers to add somebody to their front office who does have better relationships than Rob has right now and might be able to maybe lower that Lakers tax in a way that they might be able to uh, control it, right? Some of this is beyond their control. Some of this I do think is, is, is some, you know, kind of the price for doing business the way that they did where like Joe Sy doesn't want to send Kyrie to the Lakers because Kyrie wants to be a Laker because, and, and I would imagine Joe Sy is sitting there saying, well, well, fuck you for for uh, you know making me making this guy feel like he can push his way to your to your team, right? We already saw with Anthony Davis how he um, you know forced his way to the Lakers, and I think there are a bunch of teams out there who are kind of saying, no, you know what? So long as you feel like you're capable of of getting some superstar or some player that you want to force their way to you, we're gonna make you pay up. So that when that player does force their way to you, it's not some fleecing um, in the same way that that you would, you know, that, that Lakers fans have been able to watch over the course of the, the franchise's history, right? The the, the Pau Gasol trades of the, you know, and 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 um, you know that kind of deal, that the James Worthy trade, uh, the Kobe trade, even those those trades are, I think, probably a thing of the past. Um, for uh, multiple reasons, this is a very smarter league than it was back then, but also because, 
Uh, I think there are enough executives around the league and enough teams and owners around the league who are saying, you know what? If my superstar wants to force his way to you, you're still going to have to pay up. Otherwise, we're going to force that superstar to, you know, have to sign with you in free agency and lose his bird rights, for example. Um, these are all things that, that, that are, are worth taking into account and, and require a little bit more thinking than, oh, well, the Lakers didn't get their guy. Well, that's just because those other teams are just jealous. Like, no, I, I think some of this is because of the way that the Lakers have done business. Some of it is because of the success that they've had. And that success is has probably happened in part due to the way that they have done business. But eventually, you do kind of have to pay the Pied Piper. And, um, you know, if that is the, what, what we all conceive or perceive as, as the uh, Lakers tax here, yeah, conceive, <laughs> sure, I'm tired. Uh, perceive as the Lakers tax, uh, then, then uh, that, that, that's just kind of how this is playing out. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown, a longer episode of the Lakers Lowdown than usual. Um, they will not all be this long moving forward because there will not be as many insane weekends uh, that I have to summarize all into one show. Um, so I, I will say that, you know, on top of the lowdowns that we are going to be getting this week, um, I will do emergency shows for if and when the Lakers make a trade. Um, there will be some kind of conversational uh, pod to be had probably after the deadline with with Aaron and me to kind of recap how everything played out. And um, and like I've said all along, as I get more information on what the deal is with this pod feed, I will keep you guys posted I, I as best I can. There's some information I can't give, but um, that, that information that I can, um, I, I, I will offer when, when I can. So stay tuned for that, as well as all the other coverage for the craziest week in Lakers coverage. And uh, until I talk to you guys next, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.